We're going to try to uh, take that song and Mace's invitation uh, pretty literally uh, this summer. We'll talk about that as we get into this today. Uh, if you missed the beginning, we're starting this brand new series about boredom. Uh, and are, we're basing each week on how you might answer an essay if you came to work in September and they said, give us 100 words on what you did this summer. Uh, some answers that you might give were, I had no time for fun. Would anybody write that down as your thing? That We'll talk about that next week. Uh, some people might say, I fell asleep at church. Anybody <laughs> would write that? Uh, we're going to bring, Pete's going to come talk about that. Hopefully nobody will fall asleep that day. Uh, you might say, I put myself to sleep, right? Because at least one thing we feel sometimes is that we ourselves uh, are boring. Eric's going to help walk us through that. And then at the last weekend, we're going to bring some extra guests in here, hopefully, and just do a thing about friendship. Uh, my friends weren't around. And that made my summer a little bit boring. And we're going to start off real easy with something none of us struggle with, uh, which is I binge-watched and scrolled myself to death. Now, I know none of you have a problem with your phone, but this is for all your friends who do. So uh, we're going to talk about boredom not just has the absence of things to do or places to go. Uh, when you think about this when you're young, right, or if you have kids right now, they probably tell you all the time, anybody ever have a kid tell you they're bored, right? And they mean there's nothing to do, there's nowhere to go, there's nothing new under the sun. They, they mean all that philosophical stuff. Uh, and for adults, though, sometimes when we say that we're bored, we're saying that to cover over other feelings. Maybe it is boredom. Maybe we feel like there's nothing new, we're stuck. But sometimes when we say we're bored, what we mean is I'm burnt out or I'm lonely or I feel defeated. Sometimes when we're talking about boredom, what we're really talking about is something closer to despair, the absence of meaning. There's another word uh, that I, I don't imagine a lot of us use a lot when we're talking about how we feel, but we should more often because it's a good word. Uh, it's a word that, that hasn't been used a lot since the Middle Ages, but it's the word acedia. And this is a word that the monks of the early desert church would use to talk about spiritual slothfulness. Now, sloths are really cute animals, right? But in humans, we don't consider slothfulness like a great trait, right? So this is talking about spiritual slothfulness. So if you were to get out uh, your magic light box of a phone and look up the word acedia, it would tell you that the early monks, this is something that they would call the noonday demon. When you get to the middle of the day and you just don't feel alive and you're just kind of staring off into space and everything feels just vacant and you don't want to do any of the things that bring you life. It is the absence of our own attention. And so we start this boring series with what is affecting our attention. And so our phones seem like a pretty good place to start. Uh, there was an artist a few years back who did this photo project uh, that has lived like a ghost in my brain uh, and that every time I catch myself just staring vacantly into my phone, I think of this photo project. Can we, can we bring up some of those pictures? Uh, he took a bunch of pictures of people on their phones and then removed the phones from it uh, just to show us how cool we all look uh, as we stare into our phone. Now, to be fair, you guys probably look way cooler when you do it, um, or when I do it, I know I look cooler. Uh, yeah, that's a bit of a, brings you down a bit, doesn't it? 
Uh, this, is, this is humans uh, in our natural habitats. It is not a good, not a good mirror to look into. Uh, now, just to give us some math, because you can't do a boring series without talking about math, uh, there's some folks living out the Wendell Berry poem. Um, the average American screen time, anybody want to take a guess on the average American screen time? It's, let's be interactive. It's July 4th weekend. Two and a half hours. That's very generous. I heard seven hours, and that is the winner. Seven hours and four minutes is the average screen time. Now, some of you who maybe spend a couple hours, you're bringing it down. But some of you who maybe spend 14, bringing it up, right? It's the average. The place we meet in the middle is seven hours and four minutes. If you're like me, you say, well, that's for my work. That's what I got to, it's my research. I got to do that research. Uh, actually, streaming content is also this thing that puts us in front of a screen, right? Uh, and we spend about eight hours a day, the average American does. If you're at all like me, sometimes those seven hours and the eight hours, they're the same hours. I'm double screening it. Anybody want to confess to occasionally doing a little bit of double screening? <laughs> just me, cool. But let's just imagine a scenario. Let's imagine that you're watching Hustle on Netflix. Anybody watch this movie yet? It's a really good basketball movie. If I wanted to be controversial, I'd say it's better than Hoosiers. I'm not going to be controversial, though, so I'll just say... <laughs> It's very good basketball movies starring Adam Sandler. And let's just imagine that you're watching Hustle starring Adam Sandler and you think, I wonder if Adam Sandler ever really played basketball. And so you get out your magic light box and you look it up and you're on his Wikipedia page and pretty soon you're like, oh, that's right, he's been in a lot of movies with Drew Barrymore. And then you, you click on Drew Barrymore and then you remember, oh, she's got all these old Hollywood ties. And, and then you go down the Wikipedia wormhole of old Hollywood and you learn that they all died in real weird ways and it really bums you out to watch old movies. And, and then while you're doing that, uh, on your second screen, Queen Latifah comes onto the screen. And you, you remember Queen Latifah and that song she had about unity. And you say, U-N-I-T-Y. And you're like, oh, I haven't heard that for a while. So you're like, I think I'll go on the YouTubes and I'll, I'll watch Queen Latifah sing about unity. And so you do that. And then YouTube is like, oh, well, if you like this video from Queen Latifah, you would really like to see her on Sesame Street. And so you're watching <laughs> Queen Latifah on Sesame Street. So you guys do know a little bit about this, I can tell. So you're watching Queen Latifah on the Sesame Street, and then you find out that there's this thing where Elmo is in a feud with Zoe's pet rock, Rocco. And any, anybody know about this? It's, it's big drama. And before long, you've spent a couple hours going down the wormhole about Elmo's feud with Zoe's pet rock, Rocco. And then you remember, what's that thing the kids are into these days? And you're like, I'm going to check out what the TikToks are about. And so you open up the TikToks, and... Pretty soon you've, you've watched 70 videos where people drop a sheet and their dog thinks they've disappeared. <laughs> and then your phone dies and the movie's over and there's a dark hush that comes over the room. You think, what is this? What is this silence? Now, if it's not obvious enough, the target for this message this morning is myself. Because uh, that is basically a, a real-time accounting of some of the ways that I have spent my time. And so today, I'm, I'm only really talking to me, but you're welcome to listen in. The alt title to today was, how many times am I going to rewatch The Office? Um, how many times? If you can relate to this at all, or if you just think it's, it's a problem for everybody else, ask this question with me, why do our brains now live in our phones? If you know enough about this, you know that some of these platforms, they're designed to addict us 
That is what they're meant to do, right? And so maybe I'm outside and I'm talking to a real life person and I'm enjoying the smell of freshly cut grass. Facebook can sense it. And so it sends up that red flag. And it says, you need to know that your best friend from the fifth grade just liked the pickleball courts in his town. You need to know that. It's urgent. Pay attention to this red flag. You know, there are researchers in England, this is maybe useful for us to know, they have found out that just the presence of a phone on a dinner table changes the conversation. The presence of a phone in a meeting or at the coffee shop with your friends or at the happy hour, the presence of the phone changes the conversation and makes us like each other just a little bit less. Because the whole time, even if we're not consciously thinking it, we see the phone and we know at any minute something more important than us could happen in the conversation. And so even without opening it up and the division that happens inside the phone, just the presence of the physical phone makes us like each other a little bit less. Uh, Dave Eggers in his novel uses this word uh, that I just keep thinking about. He talks about, you know, at the end of the day when you're like, did I respond to all the text messages and I got to check my inbox one more time and I forgot to like this family thread message and I forgot to send this gif of Mariah Carey putting her sunglasses on and And when you're doing all that stuff, and when you're checking your money app, and you're just checking, he calls it churning. What a a perfect word for what we're doing in front of those screens. You maybe know part of our Players Box curriculum is based around this, that uh, the more people spend time in front of screens, the more anxiety, the more depression they feel. And so my question to us is just, what are we looking for in there? I wish I had one of those old school label makers. I could just put that at the top of my TV or at the top of my phone. What are you, what are you looking for in here? I want us to, to just think about this a little bit because this is not really just about the, the phones. The problem isn't really our devices. I, I don't want there to be any shame to this. I don't want us to all like hand in our phones and get the phone back on the wall with the tangly cord. That was a mess. Nobody liked that system. But the real problem is the despair right? It's that it flattens the world if it just lives in our hands like that. Uh, I want to, we have a special guest lined up today that I think might be back there. Uh, I've been reading a a book lately called An Immense World by a guy named Ed Yong that's all about animals. This is our special guest. (laughs) Abby, see it worked out fine. (laughs) <laughs> Abby, she can pour her heart out on stage, but she was real, t- real worried about bringing Archie out. This is my dog, Archie. Uh, he's our special guest. You've probably heard him barking at children in the lobby. Uh, in, in this book, An Immense World, he talks about this German world, Umwelt. Uh, well, he does not care for you guys. Uh, <laughs> the, the German word Umwelt is the experience that different creatures have because of their different senses. Uh, So I live in a different umbelt uh, than my dog. There it is. The world isn't experienced by a particular organism because different creatures have different senses. So so some creatures can tell flight patterns, right? And they can dodge around your car. Uh, Some animals can hear things that we can't hear. So bats and sharks and dolphins and all those things can hear things in a different way. So they live in kind of a different umbelt. Are you getting the feel for it? Uh, dogs live in an umwelt that is largely determined by smell. And the reason I know we're in a different umwelt is that a lot of times we'll be on a walk and I'll think that's just grass. And Archie will think, no, every single blade of grass is a crime scene. (laughs) 
that I have to investigate thoroughly. And he can tell from every blade of grass who has walked by there and what they've had uh, for lunch. Did you know that dogs can sniff six seconds? They can sniff six times in a second. Uh, don't try to do it. You'll all pass out, and it'll be... The boring series will take a very dark turn. Um, so don't try to do it. But Archie could do it. If I went missing, if somebody kidnapped me or I went missing, he would be the one they'd go to first because his nose can find me, right? He would find my unique mix of Crest toothpaste and Tide laundry detergents and my dad's oily skin, and he would find me. Uh, he would find me in the woods somewhere, hopefully. So I just wanted us to have this, this object lesson. Do you understand Umbelt better because my dog is here? This is holiday weekend. We can do what we like, right? So uh, I just want us to pay attention. So we all live in a different uh, Umbelt. Archie, when he is sniffing the grass, he's actually binge-watching. That's his binge-watching, and this whole world is there. So thank you very much, uh, Archie, for your service to us. Yeah. Now, the question is, what is our umwelt, right? How do we perceive the world around us? How do we sense it? How do we take it in? What are our filters? Which senses in us are alive? And which ones are we letting die? What are, what are the algorithms replacing in us, right? If my umwelt is crafted and filtered by the post that I just liked on CNN or the post that I just liked on Fox News and it says you'll like a thousand more just like this, if my umwelt is memes that flatten everything, then I'm missing the umwelt that ought to be shaped by the spirit of Jesus. Our spidey senses, as humans and as Jesus followers, are supposed to be the resurrection power of Jesus. And when we look at neighbors, when we look at the world, when we look at the grass, when we look at the sky, we look at the news, we're supposed to see it through the lens of the kingdom of God, and that's supposed to be our umwelt. I want us to go back to one of my favorite prayers. This is Paul praying for his friends at the church at Ephesus. Uh, and it's just one of my favorite things. If you need something to write to a graduate or to a new married couple or to your friend, uh, you should steal Paul's prayer for his friends. He says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, right? That's a different umbelt if, if your heart is a seeing, perceiving, filtering, loving heart, so that the eyes of your heart have been enlightened. You may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power? God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the age to come. We have available to us the most powerful umwelt, he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. Which means everywhere you look, smell, hear, taste, touch, the fullness of God lives. 
how could anything ever be boring? And why would you ever want to stare at a screen? I have to say, uh, this last week I had to drive uh, to Omaha, which is a perfect place to drive when you're about to talk about being bored. A friend said, do you want to come help me lead this retreat? And I said, yes. And then I looked at a map. <laughs> so I'd never been to Omaha, and I did not know how many podcasts it would take for me to get from here to there. And I didn't know that really the only thing between here and there is corn. And I have to say, I was not looking forward to driving 12 hours through corn, uh, but, but that's what I got to do this last past week. And I have to say that I, I haven't traveled a lot in the last three years, right? I don't, I just haven't, uh, I haven't had to, and I've tried to st stay a little sort of safe. I just haven't had to travel. It seems like kind of a nightmare to do anyway if you're trying to fly somewhere right now. So I, I just haven't gotten out. I haven't seen new things, done new things. I've traveled to places I know. So this is the first time I was traveling, and I was kind of anxious about it, and uh, and I, was, I thought I'm gonna fall asleep in Iowa or something. You know, I, I don't know how it's gonna go. And so I just kind of prayed, God, like I'm thinking about umbelts. I'm like, let me see the umbeltent uh, that you would see on the way to Omaha. And I have to say that it, it almost worked, that, that I've, the corn is pretty impressive. The way they lay it out, it's actually pretty beautiful. And I got to see the world's largest truck stop. Uh, and that was exciting. And I, I stopped at a coffee shop in Des Moines. I had my dog with me and the nice people on the porch there watched my dog while I went inside and got a, a gooey good cinnamon roll. And, and then I got to the retreat and we did good work together for, for 30 some hours. And then on my way back through Iowa, I got a free upgrade at a hotel, which made me feel like I'm really living now. And, and I just have to say that God can meet you on the road even in Iowa is something that I, that I learned on the road to Omaha. There's a there's something about counting sometimes that makes us more present. Uh, I was counting every hour, every mile of the trip. I got so excited every time it switched to going from seven hours to six hours left, right? There's something about the counting made me come alive and be more present. Uh, if you've ever had to count down nine months, you're paying a little more attention to the days, right? If you've ever had to count down to a wedding, or to a divorce being final, I suppose you could also count down to that. If you've ever counted down to vacation, there's something about counting that makes the days count a little bit. This is one of my favorite lines from Psalm 90:12, and it'll guide us here a little bit this summer. It just says, so teach us to count our days so that we may gain a wise heart. The writer Amy Krauss Rosenthal was, was suffering with ovarian cancer and she just asked this really simple question. She said, if you knew, if you had a number for how many times you were going to get to look at a tree, would you look at the tree different? It doesn't matter what the number is. If it's 300, if it's 12,000, if it's five, if you know you're only going to get to look at a tree that many times, if it becomes finite instead of infinite, how would you look differently at a tree? And I wonder, we know this is a little bit true. Like I said, with counting, we know it. It makes the days count. We get that. The eyes of our heart start to be enlightened. What if you knew you only had 22,000 hours, which is about what most of us have? Right? How many of those am I going to give to the super fan episodes of The Office? I want us to just think about this math a little bit. Because sometimes the reason we're scrolling or binging 
is because it's just too hard, there's too much suffering. And the very reason we're looking down is the very reason we should look up. <laughs> Can I give you a little more math? There's 16,000 kids in foster care just in Ohio. 13% of the population lives under the poverty line. And it all just gets so hard. And so we, we watch the next series. We go down the next Wikipedia wormhole because it's too hard to look up. Or maybe everything just feels like kind of a mystery and ambiguous and doesn't make much sense. And there's just too much mystery and wonder. And so we're looking down for the exact same reason we should look up. A little more math. There's 99 types of trees in Ohio. There's 180 kinds of birds. So my question to us is just, what are we looking for? What am I looking for? One of my, my favorite Jesus stories is, is the weirdest Jesus story. And it's told in, I think it's in almost every gospel. And they kind of have variations on what happens. But it's pretty clear that at one point, Jesus had a beef with a fig tree. And they tell him in different ways. Uh, Mark is particularly funny in the way that he tells the story because he says that Jesus basically goes up, he's hungry, uh, there's no figs on the tree, and so he gets mad and he, he kind of kicks and curses the tree, and the tree withers. And Mark kind of gives just a little bit of a, a little sideburn to Jesus. He says, it's not the season for figs. Like there's no, Jesus should have been cool like, oh, it's not time for figs to grow. But I've always heard that story is like Jesus was like kicking the tree because it's better than kicking your friends. That's what I've always thought he was doing there, right? Because what he's really mad about is that you're not, you're not bearing fruit. You're not creating. You're not doing the thing that you're made to do. There's another uh, version of it where Jesus tells it like a story. He says, one time this guy got mad at this fig tree. <laughs> it was really him who did it. But you tell those stories sometimes, right? He tells the story like, I'm going to just cut this fig tree down. And the other farmer says, no, let's give it a year. But I think the reason that this story, this weird story, if you were going to make up a savior, you would just kind of erase that. You'd let your elbow smudge over that ink because it's a weird story. But it, it survives because there's something in it that's true, which is that God desperately wants us to do the things we're made to do. And it makes him so mad, he just wants to give us a little, little kick sometimes. That we have been called to be fruitful, to make stuff, to plant gardens, to name our animals, to love our neighbors, and to see the fullness of him who fills all. And so we have a simple invitation for you this boring summer, which is just to look up. It's just to look up. And I don't want this to be a, a shameful thing. Like, if you need to let your kid watch 100 episodes of Bluey to get to Florida safely, like, do it. That's all we're, we're not trying to mess with anybody's survival tactics here. <laughs> but it is to say, let's work on developing a better Umwelten together. That we might bring our senses back to life. That we might follow our dogs through the grass because maybe there is something good in there that we might count our days, that we might gain wiser hearts, that we might scroll less and connect more. I heard somebody say, we're using our phones, we're using our computers to uh, connect, but we actually have zero community, right? So there's something about looking up instead of down that helps us to actually invest in each other. 
So here's what we're going to do. This is at southpark.org slash lookup. It's loaded with all kinds of events, ideas, uh, service opportunity, especially for you parents who are dealing with kids who are having the most boring summer of their lives. We're going to hope to help you through that. Uh, starting this Friday, there's a kid clubhouse event where you can bring your kids and let them play together uh, this Friday from 6 to 8 at Kid Clubhouse. Uh, again, there's a, there's a card in the lobby with the QR code so that you can look up the list of events, of service opportunities. Uh, we want you to look up and see the sacred, right? One of the ideas on there is to, to just throw a 5S scavenger hunt where you get some friends or you do it by yourself or you get your family and you just try to do all the 5Ss in a weekend, Right? You try to read some scripture in a weird place. You, you try to spend some solitude. You find some service. You support somebody. You, you call somebody you haven't called in a long time. You make a significant event. You get your family together and have communion together, or you stare at the sunset for a little while together. That, it's open-ended, but it's a 5S scavenger hunt, right? Let's just look up together is our call. I'm going to do it myself. My goal for July is that my screen time, uh, I, I get my screen time notification on Sunday morning, which is challenging, and, uh, and I'm going to make it a point that every week in July my screen time goes down. I personally am going to try to take Saturday just off of screens uh, for my own because everywhere I'm going and everything I listen to and every screen I do stare at, it's talking to me about joy, and I realize that's just a thing I don't have an, a lot of these days, and I don't think I'm going to find it in there thing I need to look up. And so that's the thing I'm going to do. You all are invited to do us with it, do this with us. I would encourage you, I know this is kind of ironic, but if you do have a family or a group of friends, uh, make somebody in, the, in your family the, the family reporter, right? Like help them keep a log of the, the hours you spend off the phone or the hours you spend on. How, make them the picture taker, right? Uh, you might even post, we're going to allow, like again, no shame here. We're not a shame place, hopefully. Uh, what we're going to say is put it online, like hashtag SB lookup. That's what we're asking you to write. If you have a good day together, if you go to the park that you've never been to, like put it out there. Challenge your friends. We're doing this thing where we're trying to look up more often and let somebody in your family be the family reporter. Let them make the little Instagram post. Let them have fun with it. Like these things are not going away, but we can learn how to live with them and still live with God. And that is our call as God's people is to use our senses to see the fullness of God at work in the world, and I just don't think we're going to find it like that. So our invitation this summer is to look up. Uh, I appreciate that we have a God who wants us to use our senses. Here in a few minutes, we're going to follow God's invitation where he says, drink this cup, taste this bread, right? Jesus wants us to have an abundant, joyful, fully alive life. And we hope that we get closer to it when we join here together. I'm going to pray this, this prayer for Ephesians for us as we close out. Uh, go online, join us in looking up. We'll remind you every week. We'll try to get some of your stories. But let's pray together uh, for our time this summer. God, we pray together that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all glory, the one brighter than any explosion in the sky, will give to us a spirit of wisdom, will give us revelation. We pray that this summer the eyes of our heart 
might be enlightened just a little more. That we will know the hope to which your people have been called. That we will know the riches of the glorious inheritance that comes from being your saints. That we will see around us and in us the immeasurable greatness of your power. God, would you put the power of Christ to work in us? Would you raise us from whatever is making us a little more dead? Would you seat us instead at your right hand? God, we praise you as the one who has everything under your feet, but who is somehow the head of all things too. God, help us to see our worlds and ourselves as a full picture of you who fills all in all. May we seek you and find you together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.